What's up, you guys? Welcome to the June 18th edition of the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Get ready to talk the big Kawhi Leonard news, some NBA draft, and some fantasy mock draft discussion from last week. We did a little slow draft. Want to talk about that right before the madness hits? Are you ready for the madness? Yes, yes. Always a, a fun time of year. Getting ready for the draft. Plenty to discuss. Trade rumors. Free agency on the horizon. So. Uh, yeah, plenty of a uh, conversation t- to be had over the next couple weeks. Is it going to be the craziest off season ever? We say that it feels like every year, but every year it's crazier, you know. Because <laughs> you know? all the technology, man. The uh, emoji day. What was it like July eighth? That's still the ultimate free agency story, in my opinion. I think that was just just terrific. That's very good. Stuff. The other thing I was thinking, I think that has a, a lot to do with it, is the the fact that players have those player options at the end of the at the end of their contracts, you know, so in other words, it like doubles the the bang for the buck, whereas players used to sign a five-year deal, and then that summer is when you know the player would be coming out. But the fact that they can opt in for a year and then become a free agent the following summer or opt out and sign a one-year deal, like, you know, or Chris Paul situation where they opt in and get traded, and then can become, it like kind of doubles the amount of conversation in and around those type of players, you know? Yeah, and then you have the guys who their fan bases are hoping they opt out of their player option, like, say, Carmelo and... Ennis Cantor, Knicks fans, yeah. Thunder fans, like, oh, please don't pick that option up. Go away. Exactly. That's, that adds a lot of intrigue into it, you know. So it's just, yeah, I, I think, like, the combination of factors. But I think that the, the players, you know, all those options at the end of contracts, like, doubles the amount of, uh, of action that we would have in a normal season. And then a new layer to this is one of the best players in basketball, when healthy, Kawhi Leonard. I'm sure everyone has heard about this. He is asking for a trade out of San Antonio and reportedly wants to go to L.A., leaning towards the Lakers, but open to the Clippers. Boban reunion. (laughs) So, it should be pretty fun. So, there are so many angles to this, and I'm sure most of you guys have heard about that. So, we'll kind of focus on, I guess, the fantasy more than anything else. But, um, so, again, we did this mock draft, and I took Kawhi at 20-20. Do you think he gained value, lost value? Wait, how do you think his fantasy value hits here before before we talk about fit and well, just overall, like me getting him at twenty? Think he would go earlier if we draft yes. again? Yeah. Yes, I, I was. I think I had a couple picks before you, and I was very, very tempted to take him. Um, I, I love Kawhi Leonard in drafts um, this this season, going into the season. I think I think by the time the drafts start rolling around, the week before the regular season or so, um, his value will be commensurate with where it should be i think it'll uptick a little bit um but uh, for those guys in early drafts i'm i just am, am all about trying to get him in, in, in on as many teams as possible um you know just in terms of fantasy and fit in real life i think he's just vastly underrated by the general public at the moment um when he's healthy i don't think you know like this is a guy that is the third in my opinion the third best player in the league you know when you factor in both sides of the ball um not only is it a defensive play of the year as we know and arguably the best perimeter defender in the league he's an incredibly efficient offensive player i mean there's only i was looking at the numbers there's only three players in nba history that have had a season in which they averaged over 25 points knocked down over two three-pointers and shot over 48 percent in that season it's steph curry Kevin Durant, and Kawhi Leonard. Um, So when you talk about the things that this dude brings to the table um, on a nightly basis, um, I I, I just, you know, I I think it's because, you know, we're prisoners of the moment and we haven't seen him play in a while. Um, So it's understandable. 
Um, but let's not forget just how good Kawhi Leonard is at, at basketball. Yeah, and I'll add too. I mean, we've seen him before. It became superstar Kawhi when he was kind of just like super role player Kawhi. Mm-hmm. He was still like first round value for fantasy yes, just because he yes. was so good everywhere. He wouldn't hurt. He's just so good from the field. Phenomenal free throw shooter. Obviously, the steals numbers have been terrific. But he's he's just so. He, and so the point I'm trying to make is, if he goes to LA with say. LeBron or Paul George or Chris Paul, whatever it works out to be, like if he still hits like 22, 23 usage rate, he'll still be chilling, potentially a top five player. But so yeah, the main concern is, without a doubt, to me is, and that's the only concern is his health. I'm not care. I don't care about fit one bit. But um, if he comes out and he looks great, um, and again, this it's so hard to gauge this because the Spurs are so shady. Like we don't we don't really know. And again, this is I mean we have phenomenal reporters in the NBA. And, like, all season long, Woj was baffled. Like, Woj put out, not I wouldn't say incorrect, but he had, he kind of didn't have his finger on the pulse like he almost always does. So we're kind of going in, in the dark here, but obviously the rewards are huge. So I don't think I could take him. I said in my, I wrote my, in my write-up, I said, like, 15 is probably where I'd take him. But, again, if he starts cruising and I start feeling good about him, then maybe he could go into 9, 10, 11, 12. But I don't know if I could put him into the top 7 or 8 like I probably would have previous to this whole leg injury thing that happened around this time or you know 10 months ago well let, let me ask you this if he plays 75 games where does he finish the season four or five <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think he's almost a lock to go top six yeah. if he plays 70 plus games so um yeah you're right it's, it's all about you know it's you know it's a risk reward type thing how much of it was you know injury how much of it was up being upset and wanting to send a message to the spurs you know was he was he that vindictive was he that angry was he that upset did he not push himself could he have played um you know well th- you'd have to assume three months off would be enough to heal whatever was the issue but um as we saw with isaiah thomas he waited too long and prevented surgery and delayed surgery so um it's definitely a risk but um and it and i usually you know I can't deny that it's a risk, but again, the upside and assuming, um, you know, it's not like an ACL or, or one of those things, um, assuming he comes back relatively healthy, which I think most people suspect he will, even, you know, it's obviously was disappointing. He wasn't able to get back at the end of last season. Um, you give him a full off season of rest and rehab, a fresh start, likely somewhere else. Um, I think he'll, uh, you know, obviously reoccurrence of the injury could certainly be an issue. Um, but yeah, I think that, 12 to 15 range would probably be my sweet spot. I, I wouldn't. I would feel uncomfortable reaching him, reaching for him, given his injury history. You know, coming off that injury uh, at the end of the first round, um, but you know, early second, mid second, I think is a, a very reasonable expectation, good yeah. target. Just to run it down, I, th- I don't think there's any chance he gets above these guys, no matter how great he looks. AD, Cat, Harden, Giannis, Jokic, Durant, Lillard. And Gobert, I don't think I'd ever put him past those guys. But if he looks super awesome, maybe LeBron, maybe Curry, maybe Oladipo, maybe Jimmy, kind of in that area. He's in that tier. Yes. Yeah, and I and I assuming he comes back and looks good in the preseason, and then obviously the pre um, or the training camp rather, and then the preseason games where we get our first live look at him. Um, if he's playing twenty plus minutes a night there and showing no ill effects, um, I think by the time draft rolls around, he could be. I think I actually would bet. If I had to bet over under on his ADP right now, um, I would say it's 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 closer to ten than twenty. Let's put it at that point. Yep. If like the if the over under is twelve or thirteen, I I'd probably even go under. Okay, yeah, we're pretty much on on the same page there. So let's talk fit really quick before we talk about other pieces. 
do you think there's a place that he would have more value? Um, and then we'll talk about the San Antonio side of this as well. But like, if you're if you say you have Kawhi in Dynasty, like, where do you want him to go? I think you'd probably want him to stay in San Antonio would yeah. probably be the ideal situation. I think it's just so much uncertainty in terms of if he goes to L.A., does LeBron go? Does Paul George go? Who else fills out the roster? They bring back Julius Randle. Um, you know, if he goes somewhere else, you know, Philly's probably a, a bit more of a, a predictable situation. Um, they'd probably use their cap space to either facilitate a trade or sign him out right if he hits free agency. Um, so you kind of know that the, the roster surrounding him if you went to the Sixers. Um, but I think the Lakers is, you know, the odds on favor right now. And it's just so difficult to predict where what the Lakers team around him would look like. Um, but assuming he stays in San Antonio, I think we can expect the numbers he put up in 2016-17, um, which were phenomenal numbers. That he'd, be, he'd be the focal point of the offense um, and obviously put you know contribute defensively as well. So I guess my the preference would probably be that he stays in San Antonio if I got him in a dynasty league. I'm going to disagree with you. Um, I agree that he has more upside in San Antonio, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. downside scares scares me to death. Uh, like he's going, you think he's way more likely to sit if he's you know 95 percent, 99 percent healthy. That's a good point. Yeah, like the risk is so high that I I want him out of there. I'd want him wherever. And like I said, I really don't care where he goes. Um, is again, he's not going to go to a place where he's like fourth banana, you know? right? I mean, like as we've said along, this guy is phenomenal. Uh, but, but even but even to your point earlier, even if he is, which he won't be third or fourth yeah. banana, whatever the case might be, he's. I mean, that that suits his game. He just his efficiency. He'll still get rebounds, assists, steal. I mean, there's there's literally almost no scenario in which he gets hurt. You know, appreciably that that he takes him that you knock him down around or anything yeah. almost. Yeah, he, there's. I mean, there's not many people you could say that about. Yes, like agreed. maybe him, Durant, LeBron. Like, is that it? I don't even. Uh, Anthony Davis, which I you know, I guess it's a, you know, Mount Rushmore of just yep inelastic yep. fantasy value. I guess it just doesn't yep. matter where yep. they go. Yep. Um, okay, cool. So let's talk about some other players here. Let's start with San Antonio again. This uh, there's so many layers to this. So we look at the Marcus Aldridge, who would have been a loser um, with Kawhi coming back healthy, but now and again, it's the same thing with kind of Kevin Love, like. It all depends on what the Spurs, where they think they're at. We're, I mean, anyone over the age of 25 hasn't seen a bad Spurs team. Um, so it's going to be really tough to figure out like how they're going to treat this. Would they ever dare trade Kawhi, get a bunch of long ass- assets down the road, and then trade LaMarcus, get maybe some first, some young players that are going to have rookie deals coming up and so forth. Like LaMarcus is kind of in a holding pattern. Um, he went early in this mock we did. He went late second, which I, I wouldn't do. But um, how do you think LaMarcus fits in on this? Uh, well, I guess I'll answer your second question first. I definitely don't suspect this, this, expect the Spurs to do anything drastic and, and kind of retool or even approach rebuilding. Um, there's been some rumors that Pop is going to coach two years. Um, you know, he's not going to coach after he coaches the Team USA team in 2020. That's kind of been a rumor out there, even if he does stick around. So I definitely don't think Pop will sign on for a rebuild in his final two years. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a bunch of old guys on, on pretty heavy, hefty contracts. Even if they wanted to move Gasol, they'd have a hard time doing it. Um, uh, they could certainly find a taker for Aldridge, but it's not like he'd bring back, uh, you know, uh, DeAndre Ayton and a, and a future for, you know, anything along those lines. So, you know, um, they basically have to take back probably 75, 80 cents in the dollar if they move to Aldridge. Um, and it's just not the Spurs way. You know, R.C. Buford and those cats, they're just competitive. Um, I'm sure they feel that they can, you know, um, if they trade Kawhi, I assume they'll, in addition to um, young assets and or picks, they'll also look for veteran guys that, that can contribute um, at the same time. So, um, and just interestingly, as an aside, just on the, on the, the one thing with the Lakers, 
Patriots in terms of them being favorite. I'd be shocked if they took back Dang. I mean, in order for the Lakers to move Dang, if they wanted to move him on his own, they'd have to give up. You know, they had to give up a, a, a D'Angelo Russell to get rid of Mozgov's contract. And, you know, so um, just from that perspective, I mean, that that's like essentially asking the Spurs to give you back another first round pick in addition to, uh, you know, in addition to, you know, with a, with the Kawhi Leonard. So I don't see that happening. But um, but yeah, as, as far as the other Spurs, I, I think, you know, just in terms of all of I agree with you. Um, I don't I wouldn't take them that high in the second round. Like 40. I think I yeah. Thought- it's probably a safe estimate somewhere yeah, else. Kind of, you know, I, I think last year he peaked. I don't think he's going to be as good as he was last year. And he was pretty healthy. LA has had some major health issues. He had a, he had a pretty good season last year. Yeah, he, had, he was awesome last year. He was on all yeah. lot of highly, not necessarily championship teams, but most people I saw who had Aldridge were doing well in the standings. Yeah, he exceeded expectations. He outproduces the ADP. Oh, hardcore. Yeah, one of the few guys that, like him and Depot, probably on like the all, all-star yep. slash ADP killing, like, difference-making yep. kind of guys. Yep. Um, well, actually, going back to Kawhi, I wanted to mention this. You and I were discussing the other day, like, what kind of package would, this, would the Spurs want? We spitballed um, for the Celtics, Rogier, Jalen Brown, and the Kings pick for Kawhi, and obviously salary filler, like, versus Ingram, Kuzma, maybe a couple firsts. Uh, Willard reported that Lonzo is not exactly a guy the Spurs would want, um, so maybe I mean it's it feels like when this deal goes down, it's going to be multiple teams like three plus. Yeah. Um, so I, like, do you think someone's uh, obviously the Vegas thinks the Lakers are the favorite, but um, do you have a different take on that? Yeah, I think with the Lakers, it definitely would have to be multiple teams. They don't want to take Dang. Um, you're gonna have to have t- you're gonna have to entice somebody to take that salary dump which means the lakers would have to give up additional pieces as you mentioned i'd be shocked if pop won in any part of the lavar alonzo ball circus mm-hmm. um i think the most definitely obviously the most intriguing scenario in terms of trades i think would be boston um there's just so many different directions that can go you mentioned the the platter of young picks and players and and um yeah but there's also you know kyrie irving and and Kawhi leonard are both making exactly 20.1 million dollars next season that's a, you know at this exactly salary match i assume the spurs wouldn't want him you know because they he's not going to resign you know or they basically would be trading for a guy that um irving's already said he's going to you know test free agency it wouldn't make any sense for him to sign an extension be it in boston or san antonio where he ends up um but they could also include gordon haywood um you know haywood was a you know was a monster is his final season in utah um is that the type of player that would entice the you know san antonio to kind of build around or be one of their key foundational pieces if the Celtics wanted to part ways with him um it's so crazy it is. It's just that it's so many different scenarios that could play out. And the thing is, if there's anything we've learned in the last three or four years is that Danny Ainge will seriously consider every single op. You know, this, these are things that they're discussing right now. Make no make no bones about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's – I think they got to do it. If I, I don't know. Pretty much anything short of giving up Jason Tatum, I'd be open to more or less anything. I mean, what, you, you're assuming that you're going to be able to lock them up long term, which, you know, financially, you, you'd certainly have a, you'd be in the driver's seat, um, but you'd still obviously want to talk to Kawhi's camp, and is he content there, or, you know, is that that type of thing, that, that's that's another factor that's obvious. Even if I didn't get a guarantee, and I would still offer Jay, if I, you know, he's, I mean, if he goes to Boston and they perform and they make it to the finals, like, that, like the Paul George scenario, like, this time last year, we were all like, oh, Paul George is just going to dip after one year. And like during the season, it was like okay, yeah, he likes it and so on. And the whole the whole Carmelo thing, which we talked about, is kind of a wrench in the situation. He's probably gonna bolt. It sounds like, but um, yeah, it's you know just going somewhere and maybe 
learning to love the city kind of a thing. Um, so other Spurs I want to talk about. So who else here? Um, DeJounte Murray is an interesting name. I took him um, in the mock, and I thought he gained value from the situation. Yeah, they could add point guards, but I don't think they want a point guard. They believe in DeJounte Murray. When Pop is talking up a young player, that speaks volumes, much like Rick Carlisle does too. So um, where do you think you would consider him now? The only thing that, that's a concern with the Spurs, non-Kawhi Leonard Spurs, or Aldridge for that matter, I think that's why a lot of people were kind of skeptical on Aldridge, is there's just they, – they believe in that, that kind of Brooklyn Nets approach where you just play you know nine guys 22 to 28 minutes. Um, that kind of limits the upside of, of their non-superstar players. You know, Murray's going to split time with, um, you know, they, they still, uh, Brent Forbes got a ton of minutes last season. Um, obviously, they still have Patty Mills under a big contract. He's got a couple years left at big money. Um, I guess, well, obviously, uh, another factor to to consider here is what Danny Danny Green does. Um, he has a player option. Does he, uh, you know, does he at free agency? Does he leave town this summer? Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's difficult. I, I, I've I've always kind of been skeptical on Spurs, um, not only just because they're resting mentality, just because their their platoon approach at most positions. So you don't you don't think Murray was a winner from this whole Kawhi thing? Uh, if he got moved, I think he would benefit. Well, no, he, I, I, he's not getting traded though. I don't think. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if if I'm saying, assuming Kawhi well, doesn't yeah, yeah. get back. It, a lot of it depends. Do they bring back Lonzo Ball? I don't think they will. Um, but you know, who knows what else they, that, that might be part of the package. So assuming they bring back a non-point guard, um, I certainly think he benefits. Um, but I, I, I'm not as high on him probably as you are. Yeah, I took him in round nine, and I feel great about it now. I feel like if we redrafted, I'd probably take him mid-seventh. Yeah, that makes it. That's definitely not a reach by any. By any, yeah, I think uh, seven eight. I think that around there's a, a reason. Yeah, so just uh, the point guards here. Isaiah was the point guard before that. Would you rather have Isaiah or Dejounte? Oh man! <laughs> I thought when uh, Isaiah went in the eighth round for this draft, I thought that was a phenomenal pick. I was considering taking him. I like Isaiah. I think he's. I, I'm, that's the type of guy I like gambling on because you yeah. just there's, there's so much upside there. I mean, we got 29 and six two years ago, and that that's that's phenomenal fantasy. Yeah, he was first rounder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, finished finished fifth in the MVP voting in between LeBron James and Steph Curry that year. Yeah. Um, so just to round this out, so the uh, there's a big point guard tier here. Um, so Chris Dunn, I would take Dejounte over Chris Dunn. It's some worrisome reports out of Chicago. Yeah. Some I don't know if they're setting themselves up to take Trey Young and, and do, move Young, move Dunn. But there's some there's some weird noise coming out of uh, Chicago about him not putting in the work this offseason, which is shocking because everything you'd ever heard about Dunn was yeah, he struggled with the shot, but he's a hard worker, dedicated, um, you know, uh, really uh, you know top notch, you know, in terms of character kid. But sounds like that uh, might not be the case. Yeah. So you took Conley. Let's kind of go on a little mock draft tangent. You took Conley in round freaking seven. Which is wild. Um, probably my favorite pick of that. Yeah, that's what I said. Actually, when I wrote the recap, uh, I said that was probably your biggest value. Like, to take Mike, Mike Conley at 78, yeah, we know the Grizzlies. We hate them for last season. And Conley isn't exactly the most durable guy out there. But, man, this guy is, he has the potential to be a top 20 guy. I, it's one of those things where you hope – I want to get in as many early drafts as possible because once people start realizing, oh, yeah, Mike Conley's a monster fantasy stud – um, you know, again, it's just the you know kind of prisoner moment things. If a guy didn't play last year or play well last year, you you know you tend to get a, a huge discount on him. And I think a lot of with the Grizzlies, um, you know, just kind of resting him and you know they basically obviously tanking the season. I think he's going to bounce back and you know not, he just he's not going to be a top. He's not going to be a first round guy, but he's going to be you know every opportunity to be a top twenty five, top thirty guy. So if you can get him in the 
fifth, sixth, seventh round, uh, that's, you know, you're just, you're cleaning up, you're, you're getting two plus rounds of value. For sure, yeah, I, I couldn't, I, I wanted to take him so many times, but um, when, I just wanted to see how far he fell. Yeah, you definitely yeah. did him slide too far. Um, okay, so back on track to the Spurs. Anybody else you could see as a potential winner from this situation? Um, Kyle Anderson, I guess. Danny Green, maybe if he picks up his option or comes back, whatever it is. Rudy Gay, anybody that you think... The Spurs are so interesting because Anderson's going is a restricted free agent. We assume they'll extend the qualifying offer him. That would only make sense, especially with Kawhi. That you, you almost assume that that's the scenario now. Um, Rudy Gay is a free agent. Uh, Danny Green has the potential to be a free agent. So their wing position is just so up in the air right now. If those guys leave, if those guys come back, do one of the three come back? Um, there's just a lot of uncertainty right now in San Antonio. So I think we, we're just going to have to wait um, until not only what plays out with the Kawhi situation, but also what they might get back if they trade Kawhi, and then what those wings uh, do in, in, in terms of free agency. Do they, you know, How many of them do they bring back? Do they choose to come back, et cetera? Yeah. Like, like I was trying to say, it's pretty much just DeJounte is really the only guy we could see that with the, is for sure going to be back and going to get minutes right. um, yep. uh, besides like the, the older guys. Oh. But, um, yeah, pretty cool. Um, so, okay, so the flip side of this is what happens when guys get traded. So, ideally, I mean, the Lakers are really in the forefront of this. And we had one round where uh, four Lakers went um, in the middle. It was um, Julius Randle restricted, uh, Brandon Ingram. Brooke Lopez and somebody, um, Kyle Kuzma, they all went like within six picks. Um, so how do you think those guys factor into this situation? Like the the secondary Lakers players, or really any Lakers player, because they're going to have pretty much a clean cap sheet. Uh, yes, if, if I mean that. You can get besides Dang and stuff. Right, right. Yeah, I, I thought Lopez would drop a little bit further than he did. Um, I think he's kind of one of those guys that could be potentially be a sleeper. He's a, another guy that was kind of misfit in the Lakers offense last year. Um, whereas with the Nets the season prior, he was a three-point block shot um, stud. He, you know, he really produced solid value. Um, but, uh, you know, it'll depend where he falls. And again, you know, Lakers, much like the, the so much is up in the air, um, you know, can they blend one of the big fish? You know, that being, you know, uh, Paul George, LeBron, you know, do they are they interested in DeMarcus Cousins? Um, or do they, you know, if they strike out on those guys, do they keep the, 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 the kind of core together, the, that young group that showed a lot of promise last season? Um, and then, you know, then at that point it comes down to what are your takes on, how do you feel about Kuzma? Can he replicate um, it coming off of phenomenally, obviously, vastly exceeding expectations as a rookie. Can he match those numbers in sophomore season, even improve? Um, Lonzo Ball, who I'm not all that high on. Um, there's a, a lot going on there. Yeah, to add to Lonzo, um, Chris Haynes said that he's the quote-unquote one constant in a potential sign-and-trade deal with the Cavs. So that's good to hear. I, mean, I, I thought, so Jonas took Lonzo at first pick, fourth round, if I remember. Let me see here. Uh, last pick, fourth round, excuse me. That's, I think that's pretty good. Like, I, I, I think he loses value in the short term, but if he goes somewhere soon, then I could really hook him up. Important to note, this is not a points league, obviously. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but yes, it, certainly, if he if if he lands in a scenario, you know, if if he sticks around with LeBron coming, that that would hurt his impact because obviously his usage rate would drop. LeBron would be a primary ball handler slash facilitator. Um, but uh, yeah, if he if he if assuming they don't get LeBron, he stays in LA or he goes to a team where he's going to be the primary point guard, um, we can certainly expect 
um, him putting up similar, similarly impressive numbers as he did last year. The main, the issue though, uh, you know, from the other perspective is can he stay healthy? Obviously, yeah. um, he, I read, you know, he, he wants to play all 82 games. You know, we'll, we'll hear that by, from, by a ton of different players. Um, but that's kind of, um, you know, one of his, you know, he's putting in the gym, working out, yada, yada, yada. So um, injury, injury concern, in addition to the other um, inefficiencies that the percentages that can hurt you, et cetera. Um, he was uh, not durable as a, as a rookie. So that's a concern heading into year two. Muscle watch, working on three pointers, working on handles, working on my health, all that. We, we've seen this movie about a million times, but yeah, I, I like that, man. I could see him as a, uh, Jason Kidd when he was peaking was one of my favorite players to take in fantasy like a decade ago or so. And I could see yeah. that. I could see, you know, 13, Seven boards, nine and a half, ten dimes, close to two steals, maybe a three and a half, maybe two if he really gets it going. Um, so yeah, I, I like him a lot, um, especially if you're going to pair him with like some more scoring kind of a guy. And so, yeah, you definitely want him to go, um, unless the Lakers strike out, which doesn't sound like they're going to. You're right. Um, yeah, other guys. Yeah, I, I don't know about Brandon Ingram. I can't put my finger on him. Like, we love him at times, but he can be really bad just because he can't hit free throws. He's not a very good guy for field goal percentage. He doesn't really rebound very well. Doesn't really do much of assists. Not too great on defensive stats. So I don't know, man. Like I know some people, it's it's more of a love or hate on Ingram for like yeah. nine cat leagues. I'm probably I'm probably more on the hate side than anything else. But again, he's still young. He's really young. So maybe we can go into he's very young. The, the, the frustrating thing is he's so darn inconsistent. Yeah. Um, he'll look, go for a month. Will he just be a monster? You know, twenty two nine and you know good percentages, and then the next month it'll be you know fourteen on you know forty one percent shooting and you know twenty seven percent from three. Um, so he's a guy that you just kind of you got to draft at the start of the year and kind of ride those waves. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I'm not overly high in him. Um, I get you know in terms of I could see myself drafting him in a couple leagues if he falls far enough, but um, I, I I don't think he will to be honest. I think I, I'm not. I probably won't spend the pay up to the price tag that I'd have to in order to, to secure him in most drafts. 75 would you pay that price? Yeah, that's not crazy. I, I'd, be, no. I'd be a looker. If he dropped another 5 or 10, I, I'd be interested. Yeah, I don't think I'm taking it. I think I have to wait till it goes to like 90 or so, and that's not going to happen. Um, I don't think I'm – I'm pretty much avoiding Lakers for now. Like if they – again, like we're kind of in the same boat. If they fall, sure, and I think there could be a value there, okay, cool. But I'm not – I don't expect them to ruin really, I mean, last season they were pretty much in the perfect spot. Um, yep. Yes, they're going to grow and get better. We get that, but you know, unless they go to Cleveland or some team like that, like if they go to San, like if the Lakers do strike up a deal, a two-way deal, two-team deal with the Spurs, I think that's bad. Um, just yes. Based on how the Spurs have developed players, and you and you know they're going to break down Paul before they build them back up. So they're you know like the, I would not want any part of Lonzo Ball if he went. Yeah, yeah that would not be good at all because uh, we saw Dejounte went through. It. I mean, yeah, Dejounte's. Eh, I don't know. I'm trying to say who's more. I mean. Lonzo's somewhat NBA ready. He played pretty well down the stretch, and Dejounte yeah. was not NBA ready. But they were really tough on Dejounte's rookie season, so you would think it would be something similar. Um, okay, so bo- the Boston side of this again, this is such a huge topic. This is going to be the whole pod. We'll be talking draft later in the week. So, um, but yeah, I want to talk about this Kawhi thing. This is going to be one of the biggest things we have leading up to the week. But um, how do you think they fit here with like Jalen Brown? And do you think they gain value a little bit? Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. I think that the one thing to remember with the wings on Boston is Gordon Haywood coming back into the mix is is going to have an impact on those guys. You know, that, this guy's a top was a top twenty NBA player um, in, in sixteen seventeen. So you got to assume he's going to look at you know, uh, and and all indications are the rehab has gone relatively well. Um, so you assume he's ready right off the bat to play thirty two thirty three minutes a night. Um, Celtics are going to have a challenge in order to figure out how to get these guys minutes. 
Um, a lot, I guess a lot that will depend on what happens with Marcus Smart. Do they bring him back? Because um, they could certainly play Jalen Brown a bunch at the two. Um, and even Tatum at the two. Or, you know, you know, do some small ball lineups or, you know, kind of extend the, the rotations where um, you can do some funky things. And, um, you know, those guys have versatility to guard multiple positions as well. Um, but I, I think that's one thing to remember. I, I'm not quite probably not as bullish on the young Celtics, like, you know, Brown and Tatum went pretty early in the draft. We had Tatum especially. Um, you know, I think it's important to factor and remember that Haywood coming back is going to impact these guys. Yeah, I totally agree. I am very much anti-Boston. I don't think – I only guy I could probably see myself drafting is Al Horford. But for now, I don't want any part of Tatum if he's going to go at top 50. Um, I don't want Hayward. Um, I don't want Jalen right now. But I think Jalen did gain value because if he gets traded, that would help. And, again, they have such a surplus that it makes sense to trade him. But um, I'm obviously not touching Kyrie or really anybody. So, Yeah, I think we're in agreement there. Celtics are a risky proposition at this stage of the game. All right. So, yeah, we'll save the draft stuff for another day um, later in the week. Um, we'll be doing a review for sure. And we may try to squeeze in a preview on Wednesday. But it's going to be nuts. But I do want to talk about this mock draft we did. It's, so I love doing June mocks. Because we kind of—it's a nice baseline to see like who gained value in free agency and so on and so forth. And you can really see who trended up and stuff. And usually, IDing the guys who start spiking earlier, you can kind of recognize that later. Um, you know, we always call them the buzz guys. And yep. early on, we can kind of see how much they've gained value. So I want to do another mock in you know about a month um, once this is kind of solidified. So um, first thing I'm going to ask: What did you learn, like big picture wise? Did you think that doing this mock, you think there was a couple things that you didn't? kind of have figured out and you learned from that process being position scarcity or teams that were people keying on and so on i think the one you mentioned position scarcity i thought the one kind of the one takeaway was centers are not there's there's not a lot of depth there um that's something to keep in mind going into future drafts i mean you if you don't get a good center early you could be searching reaching for a a gortat or some other bum late that that, that <laughs> really compromise your squad. Hey, let's put some respect on the Polish name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. That's by far the biggest takeaway. And yeah, I think all of us, you know, pretty, we did a, a few pod listeners and all the Rotor World guys. Yeah, we pretty much, we really did bake in being on a good team, being on a team that's going to be in a playoff race, not a, a, you know, a good to not bad team versus a great team like, say, Golden State or something like that. Um, we definitely baked in the rest factor for a lot of these guys. Uh, one thing actually I wanted to think about, do you think Budenholzer changed? Do you think the rest, because he rested so many guys, do you, do you think that was just because of the team? You, th- you, don't think, you don't think him, well, he don't think he'll bring the rest factor up north, I, would you? I don't think so. I think that tends to be an organizational decision. You know, okay. from, from... I agree. Because actually I consider, because I went Giannis first round, and I was a little bit scared of that when I was going through my thought process to pick in the second round. I was looking at either... Uh, Bradley Beal or Middleton uh, in, yep. the third, in the third round. And I was like, eh, I really don't want to have two bucks in case Buttonholder gets kind of poppy. You know, he's from the, the pop coaching tree. So that yep. was kind of a thought uh, decision um, I had factored into when I made that move. Um, so, yeah, let's go through your picks really quick to kind of close this out. Did you have, like, a favorite pick? Uh, we mentioned the Mike Conley thing. Um, and it's just a, I'll just run this down. Uh, so your first four picks, you picked six. You went KD. And then you went Paul George, which sounds like you would have went Kawhi Leonard if we redid that now. Chris Middleton I thought was an awesome pick. I called that my favorite pick of that round when I did the recap. Uh, and then Kyle Lowry. So first four, what, what do you think? 
Yeah, you mentioned that the Kawhi. I probably would have taken Kawhi if I, if I had a do-over. Um, but uh, yeah, I was I was happy with KD at six. Nothing crazy. Um, and George is, you know, I, I'm kind of banking on, you know, depending on on where he could go, I, that that could kind of fluctuate. And Middleton, I thought was just a good value pick. Um, not a sexy guy. Um, I think if I didn't pick him, I, I don't. If I didn't pick him, I think he probably would have lasted a couple more picks. Um, I, I shouldn't say that. This, yeah. this is overall over the world draft, so you know. But I think in, in your average everyday league, he, you know, he just does not have the name recognition of, you know, the guys that went after him, Al Horford, DeMarcus Cousins, Kyrie Irving, um, you know, those are the type of guys that probably would go ahead of Middleton in, in a typical draft. But I, I would still take Middleton because he's a better value, he's a better pick. Um, but just something to keep in mind that um, you probably could afford to, to if you want to get, if you want to gamble a little bit, um, he might last a little bit longer than he, than he probably should in drafts going forward. Yeah, he was like, before Kawhi became a superstar again, like, Fancy people like, oh, Kawhi Leonard, he's so good. And before yeah. he came, like, was like, oh, he's just, he's just okay. He only scores, you know, 13, 14 points a game. I'm like, dude, he's like, just, he's the man. Um, Horford, too. Horford was, was pretty fancy friendly when he was kind of humming. Um, yep. I thought you stole Kyle Lowry, dude. Uh, that, yeah. I wanted Lowry pretty bad. I was sitting two picks behind you. I was like, I'm pretty, pretty sure Tommy's taking Lowry. And you did. I thought that was a freaking steal. Yeah, it was a no-brainer. Um, it was just, I, I think I, you know, it was just one of those guys where his his numbers were down a little bit last year. Obviously, um, the Raptors made a concerted effort to, to limit his minutes um, and, and limit his playing time and kind of rest him, keep him fresh for, you know, for eventually getting swept by LeBron. You know, but what, they they wanted to make sure that he was was healthy when LeBron decided to, to knock him out of the playoffs this year. Um, so, uh, but yeah, his numbers were still fine. I he'd probably average a minute or two. Um, you know, we're around the same going forward. Um, but uh, yeah, he's just, you know, he's an all-around fantasy producer so that late in round four um you know tatum went right ahead of him eric bledsoe um so you know when, when jared allen was was the pick after him so he's the he's, he was a clear uh no-brainer yeah. oh he's the best pick of the round not even close to me um so i guess the question comes his minutes are going to drop anymore right uh, he took a massive hit last yeah. year five minutes 5.2 minutes per game i don't think he's going to drop again like I, I think it'll be 33 again 32 33 I, at worst, 33. And the other thing to keep in mind is Fred Van Fleet's a restricted free agent this summer. Um, Raptors have been notoriously scared of approaching that luxury tax line, which they will, um, assuming Van Vliet's going to get money. I mean, he was a he was a you know six man of the year candidate, um, incredibly valuable contributor off the the, um, the Raptors bench. He actually led the second on the team in fourth quarter scoring behind DeMar DeRozan and first on the team in fourth quarter assists for Toronto last season. Um, Dwayne Casey trusted him a bunch. GMs around the league know his value, so he's going to get a, a contract over probably in the around $8 million, I'd say, 6 to 8 maybe up to 10 depending on you know, if a team falls in love with him. Um, so I could see the Raptors losing him. Um, they still have right uh, to back up uh, Lowry, but I, but I could see if they lose Van Vliet, then, then Lowry's minutes actually even going up next year. Yeah. And then you double dipped um, in, in the yeah. north. You went with Demar Derozan, and then you went with Kevin Love, which I liked. And then you mentioned Mike Conley. We don't want to talk about him again. And then you took Trey Young, uh, which yes. I was surprised. And then we we could talk about what your thought process because I may have factored into you on that. <laughs> um, but so, what do you think about those four picks? Yeah, just, just three. We don't need to talk about Conley again. Yeah, I mean, just as far as Young, um, it was round eight. Um, there was kind of a run on rookies, and you kind of bullied me into <laughs> into, into not being uh, a punk and, and taking a you know because I was you know I tend to even in even in you know early mock drafts I just try to get into the habit of taking the right player at the right pick you know just kind of doing the boring thing um, just to, to see what's there. But um, Trey Young's one of my one of the more interesting players, obviously in the in the 2018 NBA draft. 
Um, he's a guy that I think tends to be a little bit underrated, to be honest, going into um, into, into the draft. Uh, you know, not, first player in, in, in NCAA Division One history to lead the league and uh, lead the NCAA in scoring and assists. Um, you know, I, I just think his if he goes to the right situation, that being Orlando at six. Um, or even Cleveland, and um, you know, should they move LeBron and kind of gut the team and start over? Um, he goes in one of those situations and plays 32, 33 minutes a night. He's going to take a ton of shots. Um, they're going to let him learn on the fly. Um, and I think uh, he has the ability. And because I, I think his passing, his court vision is underrated. I think um, he's going to average six, you know, five, six, seven assists a game um, as a rookie, assuming he plays those minutes and, and kind of plays an up tempo, freewheeling offense. Um, so uh, you know, he was. I think he was the maybe the 10th or I shouldn't say that sixth or seventh or eighth rookie of, of, of all, um, you know, incoming rookies, um, a bunch of guys had gone before him. So it's in, considering the fact that he was still out there and I kind of wanted one young, um, interesting guy to take a flyer on, I figured I'd roll the dice on him in eight. Got to. Yeah. So you, you were going to take Will Barton and I was like, oh, yes. something fun. Will Barton's going to fall and you got Will Barton next round. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, you are, you are kind of, I think you are the, the high man on Trey. Uh, I'm not, on, I'm not too big into Trey. He's just so small. Um, I know Jonas is anti-Trey, but yeah, the upside's purely there. So, I, I mean, I'd gladly be wrong if Trey goes off. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good price. It, it was a risky price point, and it was very un-you based on going like so solid. But um, yeah, yeah. it's pretty nice. Oh. Um, so, did you like? We talked about Kevin Love. He's actually a big guy to talk about here because um, if the Cavs cut their cut their roster, so if you have Kevin Love, ideally, and this could, I could see this. They, they hold him for a little bit. Let him boost up his value. Remind people he could be that twenty-five and twelve kind of a guy that he was in Minnesota. Even though he's getting he's getting up there, he's gonna be thirty. But yeah, that was a that was definitely the the safest, most sound pick of the round, round six for sure. Was was very happy with that pick. Um, there's a I think. The, yes, you're the ideal situation is LeBron leaves and he becomes the, the Minnesota Timberwolves Kevin Love, um, where he's just the focal point of the offense, um, shoots threes, gets boards, um, and just kind of supplies. You know, goes back to the you know, those puts up those rebounding numbers and twenty point games uh, that we that he was a you know during his last year in Minnesota, last couple of years in Minnesota, um, put up phenomenal numbers. So even if he gets moved to another place, his floor is high as we know. Um, just because of what he brings to the table, so um, I, I was very happy with him in round six. Uh, you know, the John Collins went right ahead of him, Valanciunas a couple picks ahead of him. Um, so I, I was happy that that he fell. I I still I took Lou Williams uh, a few picks after you. I, I still would. I, I I don't know how I got Lou Williams that late. Like I don't know yeah, why. I that was it. one of the best values. Though. That was my favorite pick of the draft for for yes. my team. Um, Anything else you want to add? Uh, any other late picks you want to kind of plant your flag on that you think you're going to be more bullish on or anything else that you may have seen, guys that you wish you had or anything like that? Uh, I got Derek Favors in round 12. I was surprised he yeah. fell that late. Um, he's another guy that's going to be for age. He's only tw- seems like he's been around forever. He's only 26 years old. He's going to be 27 next season. Um, you know, it was a little bit injury riddled in 2016-17, but came back and um, led the Jazz in terms of um, uh, it was near the top of the, the Jazz in, in terms of games played. His availability was impressive. Um, so I was surprised that he fell that far. Um, I got Avery Bradley in round 13. He's another one of my favorite sleepers. Um, I think his value is tremendously um, – is lo- far lower than it should be at this stage of the game. 
Um, he's coming off a terrible season, um, never fit in well with the Pistons, had the abdominal issues, had to get season-ending surgery um, once he got to the Clippers. Um, but uh, he's a guy that contributed on multiple fa- – you know, he's averaged six rebounds a game with the Celtics, knocked down threes, good efficiency, um, good scorer. So um, I was happy with him in, in round 13 as well, my last pick. He burned me too hard. But, you know, a good point would be like Jamal Murray, who played through a hernia thing all season in his rookie year. Had yep. surgery, came back rolling. So maybe the Avery Bradley is the same thing. You know, he just wasn't healthy. Uh, health is obviously important. All right, so we're out of here on that again. We'll be doing some draft coverage next couple pods. I, I can't wait for Friday um, just to see where all these guys go. It, it's going to be so sweet. So you guys take care and thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, buddy.